Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elgouri. And I'm Aline Bavista. So um, we're very, very honoured to have Aline. We've stolen her from the French show this evening for this very special edition of the Parents Show. And we are so excited. We are. We are indeed. I'm very excited. Thank you for inviting me in, in the studio tonight. We're all having it. We're all being a bit of a groupies. <laughs> Steve Biddulf groupies. And in the world of parenting educators and psychologists, there are really few more highly respected, followed and quoted than Steve Biddulph. You've heard of raising boys, raising girls. And what we love about Steve is his kind, realistic and very constructive approach to parenting boys and girls. And he's helped prepare parents all over the world and made them aware of critical issues related to parenting happy, confident children. He's explored relationships between parents and their children from cradle to teens. So Steve books include The Secret of Happy Children, Raising Boys, The New Manhood and 10 Things Girls Need Most. They're in 4 million homes and have been translated into 31 languages. They have influenced the way we look at childhood and the development of boys and men. More recently, the crisis in mental health and misuse of girls and young women globally are equally Steve's focus. Now, as you've gathered, we're huge fans of Steve's on The Parents Show. We were really lucky to speak to him a few years ago. But tonight, he's actually going to be joining us live on air from his home in Australia. So we're waking him at six o'clock in the morning just oh. for this interview. So he's, he's, he's got even more brownie points on The Parents Absolutely. Show this evening. But before we talk to Steve, we'd just like to talk to a local expert on teens and particularly on girls. Caroline Walker and she's in the studio with us. Caroline is the director of Confident Teens and um, we're really interested to hear about her experience locally in and around the St Albans area. So thank you for joining us Caroline. Great to be here Lydia. So talk to us, how, how, what are the challenges that teen, teenage girls or girls in general are, are experiencing nowadays? Yeah, I think Lydia, it is almost as adults, it's difficult for us to really comprehend the extent of the pressures that teenage girls feel. I mean, I think if you and I jumped in a time machine and suddenly went back to being 14 years old in 2017, it would be completely um, unfathomable compared to the teenage years that we went through. Um, so I think there are three key areas that teenage girls are really struggling with. I think the first is their body image. Um, they are being absolutely bombarded by photoshopped and digitally enhanced images showing perfection. So showing um, perfect skin, not a spot in sight, showing, um, you know, ridiculously thin girls, which in reality, they would be a very unhealthy body mass index. So they are comparing their own bodies, which let's face it, they're changing rapidly as they go through adolescence. They're comparing themselves to these absolutely artificial images. And that's having a really big de detrimental effect on how they feel about their appearance and consequently their self-esteem. So I think body image appearance is one big issue. I think the other big issue, which I think frankly as a society we're not really grappling with, is the massive impact on social media, of, of social media on teenage girls. So you know, when I, in my, the confidence and resilience workshops that I run with teenage girls, there's a lot of distress around social media. The pressure that they feel that they've got to be on all the time, 24-7. There's some research showing that a proportion of girls are waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning to check their social media feed because they don't want to miss out and um, I mean some girls are choosing to just opt out of social media altogether but I think they've got they've got this sense that they've just got to be on and running frankly their own personal PR campaign all the time um, that's unbelievable and and well I'm glad to hear that there are some girls who are opting out that's excellent news what kind of a, how, how much of a proportion is that of teens that you're working I with? saw a um, well in every workshop I run there's at least one or two girls that when we talk about social media they sit there they cross their arms and say no miss I just don't do it anymore and often they're aghast from the other girls they can't believe it and you know the girls just feedback to the to the group they said it just it had you know 
I realised what an impact it was having me on a day-to-day and um, I just didn't want to get involved with that anymore. So I, the way, the approach that I take with the girls is I help them see that they can control the social media themselves. It doesn't need to control them and actually develop their own strategies for how they do it. Um, But I think social media actually then feeds into the third thing that I was going to talk about, which is this sense that girls have that they need to be perfect. So there's this phrase, I don't if you've heard of it being of an alpha girl so you know so performing you know a really high level academically you know beautifully pretty and groomed social skills and really not allowing themselves to learn and make mistakes and to develop they really just expect this incredibly high standard of themselves at all times which again has a really detrimental effect on their self-esteem because they can't keep it up 100% of the time and Aline as a mum of two teenage girls is that what you're hearing at home as well it it certainly rings true I think the um the issue of perfection in every single uh, sphere, be it academic or, or body image, is, is, is a huge pressure. And um, I've had to address some misconceptions from my daughters who are 14 and 15 around what is a realistic um, body shape for, for a woman. So, for example, one of them um, told me that uh, a woman should always have a gap between her thighs you know there should be a gap between that they should not touch and on investigation as to you know where where this had come from it had totally come from social media and the interaction that girls have with each other because i think as a parent you can try to control what happens at home but the reality is they spend most of their time at school and at break time you know in the changing room this is where all these conversations happen that bring all these um misconceptions around you know body image perfection etc and you you really are one voice against <laughs> thousands it feels sometimes to uh, to try to redress the balance so definitely rings very true and who would have thought you know when we were growing up the idea of being a perfectionist was actually it was an accolade it was a it was a mm-hmm. compliment wasn't it meant you gave gave it everything but for that to be turned on its head now and actually being used to torment girls into feeling such pressure it's it's a bit it's a bit sad really isn't it yeah absolutely and one of the things that steve bidolf actually talks about in his book is that there's then we then get a culture of competitiveness between girls mm-hmm. where they're competing about how hot they are or their academic grades um or how popular they were the boys and of course friendship isn't going to thrive in that environment if girls feel inherently as though they're competing against each other well that isn't a good recipe for nurturing supportive friends amongst each other so which then i think is a real big loss in those um, in those teenage years not to have great friendship and <clears throat> friendships are, are everything that's what gets you through your teen years no offense to all parents out there <laughs> you know, but it, it really is your friends that Carries. that make a difference they they define the direction you you end up taking really absolutely and that that was a point i was was going to say that i think an inevitable part of being a teenager is when girls and boys of course um are figuring out who they are so inevitably they're starting to pull away from their parents a little bit as they prepare for adulthood um but as we just discussed um then some you know the danger is girls can then reinforce these you know the view that thigh gap is the thing to have Mm. whereas on that specific point you only have a thigh gap if you haven't got any muscles Mm -hmm. any meaningful muscles on your legs so you know and if you're below the the proper bmi that's how you get a thigh gap is that what we want for girls of course not you know we want them to be strong and fit and running and capable and um you know living their life to the fullest i'd love to know what both of you think about the role of sport i can kind of anticipate what you're going to say but i'd love to know where how important you think it is aline so I I think it's very important for not only for fitness but for mental health, um, and certainly I encourage my girls to do. They do lots of sport, not just because I push them, um, because they enjoy it, but also because they recognise that it's a very good way to make friends, especially if you're in a team sport. You know, so it gives you a social life and it gives you an outlet if you are stressed or angry. And um, my oldest daughter is just about to take her GCSEs this year. And we've already discussed the importance of breaks 
and what you do at the break and the break can be just relax or it can be you know go for a run go on your own go do this you know so i i think it's very important and i think it's very sad that a lot of girls give up sport round about that age 14 15 um i don't know if it's pressure as well if you you know your body's changing you feel a bit self-conscious um i'd be interested to hear caroline to hear what the reasons might be but i think sport is absolutely essential not optional not optional what? not in my house anyway what do you think caroline <laughs> yeah no i absolutely agree and i think you're absolutely right i think age 14 15 is when a lot of girls do opt out because they just feel so self-conscious mm. about their bodies the last thing they want to do is put on a pair of shorts or a gym skirt or you know they just don't want to but i think it is really important to encourage girls to continue to sport find a sport that they enjoy that they're passionate about because it moves the en emphasis away from their appearance to actually what their bodies can do um, and one of the activities that I do in the body confidence workshop I run is that we do a fun quiz so you know how many muscles have you got how many organs have you got if you added all your blood vessels together and put them from end to end how far would it go so to really move it away from the external to actually what their body can do that their body is a machine and an amazing machine I love that I love the idea of of making it about their bodies and not about image it's it's fantastic yeah. does it work does do girls get it i think well i um you know the this girl can campaign that's yeah. run by sport england yeah. um or that's been really successful encouraging women into sport and i think girls as well and i think if we can in inject fun and um enjoyment and um energy and girls do report back that if they if they've done some sport then obviously it releases endorphins so they feel better about themselves as well um, that I think it's um, it's um, it's making it non-negotiable in schools that girls must do PE and, but also finding the thing that they really enjoy I mean I've been playing tennis since I since I was 10 I still play twice a week now you know that's my sport that's what I love um, and it doesn't feel like I'm doing exercise because I just love it Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a, a very, very tiny break, Caroline. We're going to come back to you at the end of the show, but um, we're going to take a, a wee break and come back with uh, Steve Biddulph himself. Online at radioverilum.com and on 92.6 FM, we are the radio station for St Albans. Radio Verilum. Radio Verilum. The Parents Show on 92.6 FM, sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elkoury. And I'm Eileen Bavister. Now, this is the moment we've all been waiting for, including Caroline, our guest. Can't I think <laughs> we've been, we're really delighted to have um, the Steve Biddulph joining us live from Australia on The Parents Show this evening. How are you, Steve? Hi there, I'm really good, thank you. It's very early in the morning in Australia and I'm just... <laughs> blinking myself awake so I, I hope I can do a good job. I'm sure you will and our guilt is is huge. Enormous. I tell you, we know, we've woken <laughs> no, you in the middle. I don't feel bad. <laughs> and you've had a really tough week, I mean a busy week in Canberra, is that right? Yes, I've been um, working in Canberra, I've, I've talked to 2,400 parents in the last week and it's been brilliant time and the great news, which I'm sure you'll like over there in, in England, it's the same, is half the audiences are men now. Ah. When, when I started when I started 35 years ago, we'd have, you know, 300 women and two men um, in a parenting lecture or a parenting talk, but now it's 50% dads and, and, and they're big hairy guys and they're, <laughs> you know, they've got tears in their eyes and they're tender and, and so it's been a revolution in fatherhood and I'm very pleased see it that's great news it's really great yeah. news and you know i mean we're we're huge fans of the books that you've written and we know you're passionate about raising confident well-rounded daughters in this in this ever exploitative world can you tell our parents yes. where do they start on the road to this goal look i think the the really bottom line key thing is the to realize that we have to slow down and because um, what happens with, with kids is their stress levels rise and fall. They're like a little cork bobbing on the waves of, of our ups and downs. And the world we live in now, um, 
wants us wants us to rush everywhere and and be stressed and be hurried and be earning money and spending money and and that's so contrary to what children's needs are um, because we, what we say in the in the new girls book is, is that if you grow slow you grow strong and I'm sure people listening have had this experience that when you when your life is busy your connections that you make with each other as partners and with your kids start to become clumsy and and not quite connecting and you don't quite hear each other and things start to go badly and if you're wanting to give little kids a good foundation you have to slow down because they're they're stone age children uh, living in the madness of the modern world and their developmental needs are for really strong engagement and so that's if that's the one thing I'd always say you know it's like hurry is the enemy of love and so you have to get back in charge of of the pace of your own life, pull back from the madness and just hang out with each other a lot. And that'll give your kids the very best start because they'll feel calm and steady in themselves and around you. Does that make sense? Oh, those words shouted out from the book, actually. Hurry is the enemy of love. And it, I love it. Mm. And it makes, it makes so much sense. And it also rings so true. I mean, you've, you've, you've just described exactly everything I'm doing wrong as a parent, you know. So it's, it's fantastic to get that reminder. Well, sure. I mean, we all get caught up in it. And, and so don't, don't feel bad about that. It's just when you notice that, oh, I feel, you know, just too chittery and too speedy. Um, have a think that night about, well, what could we drop from the week's program? Or, or how can we just get it back to be a happy sort of rhythm. Yes, everyone gets caught up in it all the time. And we, and we, but you can, we've, on the Facebook community, we ask people, what are you doing to slow down? And people had all these great things that they were doing. But sometimes they were big. Sometimes like, I, you know, I went and lived in the country <laughs> or something else. But, but other ones, it's just look, every Saturday we go without any social media or we set Sundays aside. And, and have you know only do restorative things. So there's usually something practical that you can bring in as a family. That's it. So shouting at the kids to get out the house and down the road to school, probably maybe think twice about doing that when we're back to school next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite hard to resist. Uh, one um, one thought that uh, came to me when you were uh, talking about um, you know hurry being the enemy of love is that for a lot of us most of the um, communication we have with our children during the week is very transactional so it is about getting ready to go to school it is about saying you know put your shoes on have you got your bag after school it's often you know have you done your homework so, so you're always fighting that urge to um, not only hurry but also having communication which is 90% based on what I call transactional rather than you know how yeah. are you feeling um, you know yeah. how was your day and and it's it's a great reminder I will definitely think of that to kind of step back and you know and take deep breaths yeah. in my case <laughs> that, that, that's such a good comment because you have to go back to well why are we rushing them to do their homework and to get to school and, and because the goal of it all is, is, is kind of like that one day they'll have a good job and be rich and be successful and then they'll be happy. And so we have this, as a culture, we've got this idea that happiness is something that you work towards and eventually about the age of 40, um, you suddenly arrive in a happy place. Yes. Now, I'm sure as, you're, as I'm saying that, you're smiling because that's just not how it is. <laughs> um, and and so, so I think um, it's very a very countercultural thing, but I think your listeners will be awake to this, that, that basically society is mad, and what it wants us to do is be frightened and, and race into a future happiness, and that all the research on happiness says that, it actually is in the little moments that it happens, and, and um, you know, on a Saturday morning when you're staying in your pyjamas all morning, you just watch rubbish television with your kids on the lounge, or, or you know, walking the dog with one of your kids and just you know, they're snuggling close to you and you put a warm arm around them. That's what, ha that's what makes good mental health. And then good mental health means that you will succeed in life. You know, your, your marriage will succeed and your, the people that you work with will like you. And so it doesn't come from high marks at school. It doesn't come from being the quickest and the fastest. And so 
um, I think when you st- step back and realize that, um, it, it perhaps you might find yourself saying, look, blow the homework. It's not good. It's a big pile because I don't think homework is any use. And there's no research to support doing it. And it makes parents and kids really miserable and waste that beautiful evening time when you could be hanging out as a family. So ditch the homework. Write to your school and tell them, sorry, our family, that's not our values. We don't like doing that. And maybe, you know, collectively we can start a bit of a revolution because, you know, there's thousands and thousands of bridge parents are thinking these things now and they're coming on Facebook and saying so. So we really can change this um, pressure mentality it's a, that sounds fantastic and I, I think you're right I mean we hear on the parent show all the time that you know stop over parenting stop you know getting so involved in your children's lives that they they don't have the ability to take decisions you know or, or experience risk themselves and um, that actually was another another um, topic that came out of your book that I thought I really really enjoyed was about experiencing your wild self and nurturing your daughter's exploratory nature. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, Steve? Sure. Now, in, in the book, 10 Things Girls Need Most, the, um, one of the 10 things was um, finding her wild self and to realize that, you know, a, a, a little girl is a wild creature and her senses and her nervous system and her muscles and her sinews are all designed for living in nature. And um, and what happened, and this has actually got much worse in the last 20 years. We used to, 20 years ago, girls got around wearing old jeans and, and old T-shirts. And, and so when, you, you know, so they could, they could jump in puddles and they could run around in, in, in the, uh, the trees and the grass. And, and now they've become very prissy and, and the clothes are very expensive and, and, really and fashionable and there are two words I think we should never ever have in the same sentence and that's kids and fashion <laughs> and, um, and and so um, and so with girls what we have to do is encourage them to be loud and, and so you're driving somewhere in the car practice loudness and practice shouting and practice saying whack off or you know <laughs> leave me alone and things like that I want drove into uh, uh, my daughter's preschool and as I was parking my car I could I could hear her shouting I don't like that <laughs> very loud from the street I thought that's my daughter <laughs> now she gets on really well with, with boys and, and talks to boys and is happy around boys because she knows where to tell them, tell them off and and so um, in all those ways you're wanting your daughter whether it's, she does artwork get her something to do messy artwork um, when you go outdoors you know, don't say, you know, don't get your clothes dirty. Say, get them dirty. And, and wear clothes that can get dirty. And this will just counterbalance that very gendered thing that boys climb trees and boys have adventures and girls sit neatly at the corner and look like some sort of decoration. We've really got to fight that because all, every ad they see on telly and in the papers and in shopping centers is, you know, look at me, I'm so hot, I'm so pretty. And, and it's very toxic now. So you can, you start that from day one. That's it. And that was one of the phrases uh, or one of the techniques that you mentioned, powering up and fencing down. So fencing off toxic messages was is one of the messages, one of the uh, ideas in your book. Yes. I, I think that um, the, um, the, the role of television, and of course now the internet, is really huge, but I think it's um, mostly unconscious. Um, that if you have a telly on all the time, your daughter will see dozens and dozens of women who are made up to look or chosen to look in a certain kind of womanhood that's, um, that's very, very decorative rather than just indifferent or varied or, or interesting. And so it's a good idea just to fence out. Um, don't have television playing all the time. Uh, my daughter wants when she was three, she, or maybe even younger, I think, turned to us in, in, in the evening, sitting in the living room, and she said, isn't that great, Mummy? Um, that lady's husband will love her now that she's thin. Mm. And we kind of blinked, yeah, we kind of blinked our eyes, what did she just see? Because we were just chatting, but the television had just had a, a Jenny Craig 
dieting, a dieting company ad, which she'd just seen where a lady lost a lot of weight and then it showed her at her wedding looking nice and thin. And and, and we just <laughs> fell out of a chair that she'd taken that conclusion as a little three-year-old girl. And so that was, that, that, our TV habits changed that very day. Because we didn't, we thought that all went over her head, that she wasn't, you know, thinking about that stuff. And so you don't realize what's going in. Um, we're talking to lots of people now who don't even have television. Um, and their family life is really different. Or they, um, they only watch for a particular show. So it goes on, you watch that show, it goes off again. Um, even that makes a lot of difference to the messages that, that little kids will see. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I find television is probably the least <laughs> problematic element. It's screen time that really is. I mean, other types of screens, iPad and computer games that really yes. are a drain yes. on quality time with children. That's right. And um, that we, on the, on the um, Facebook community, I have a, a Facebook community called Steve Bell's Raising Girls and another one called Raising Boys. And we raised this with people and said, what are you doing? And a whole bunch of people came on and said, we, we're doing this thing. We put all of our devices on the charger at tea time in the kitchen and nobody goes near them again for the rest of the night. And I couldn't believe that people were showing so much backbone. And I said, you know, how did you do that? You know, but wasn't there a rebellion in your house? And a teenage girl came on. It was the only time a teenager had ever come on the Facebook page. And she said, my mum and dad did this. And I was so grateful because I could never have done it myself. Mm. Now, a third of, girl, a third of girls in the, in the UK are checking social media after midnight every night. And, and so they're anxiously going on Instagram or, or Facebook to see what are the, what's happening with my peer group um, that I have to keep track of. It's not, you know, isn't this fun at one o'clock to check my feed. It's if I miss something important or someone says something nasty about me, I need to know it. And so it's a very, very harmful to sleep. Um, a lot of kids now are having sleep disorders and, and anxiety as a result of that. And so this idea of everyone drops their screens, nobody goes online, nobody answers texts or phones after tea time. Thousands of people are doing that, and I'm really impressed. I, I you know, you sort of think, you know, this is never going to change. But um, people were, you know, you know we, we got almost 110,000 shares of that, that discussion. And I think what happens is you think, oh, I'm the meanest mum in the world, or I'm the meanest dad, or... My kids tell me I am, and everyone else, you know, has their screen at, you know, all 24-7. But when we hear that other people are making a stand, it makes it a bit easier to show some backbone. And, and we're a herd animal, and we need a bit of support to feel we're not going too far off the, what's, you know, acceptable. And so really encourage people to, um, you know, to do this together so that, so that all the kids are, are not doing it. And, and, and then it makes it easier for the ones who maybe parents don't have that kind of ability. I, I think there's something about parents being disciplined as well, because um, we're very guilty as well as parents, and I, I will say that myself, of not always being fully present and, and not really role modeling what we're asking our, our children to do so um whilst we I, i'm i'm a, a firm supporter of certainly no social media or screen taken to bedrooms you know at bedtime and and you know um i, I do find it difficult myself to completely <laughs> keep away from screen and i think it's, it's a great discipline to do it as a family and as a rule that goes across the, <laughs> the generations. Yeah, um, it's, it's very democratic, isn't it? Yes, exactly. It's not, it's, yes, we'll do it too. <laughs> and this is one of the things in the, in, in, when I wrote 10 Things Girls Need Most is it's actually a self-exploratory book. And so you'll know this because you, you've seen it, that you go through it and you tick off these little quizzes and it's to find out how much you're obsessed with fashion or mm -hmm. how much you're stressed or what's your, um, the stages of your childhood as a girl growing up, which ones went well and which ones went badly. And so that then as a parent, 
you can think, oh, my daughter's coming up to the puberty. My parents handle this terribly. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really stressy. Does that, <laughs> I can hear you chuckling. Does that ring some bells? It, it rings some bells. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> yes, and, and so then you're, you know, you kind of, it brings it into a conscious level and you can say, okay, I've got, you know, I get a, a bit sort of uptight about puberty because my parents didn't handle it so well. And, and so... Then you, then you can be more conscious and you can say to your daughter, my parents didn't handle this at all well and so I really want to give you all the information that you need. Um, but I might stumble a bit, so you, you tell me if I'm getting it right or wrong for you. And they'll think, oh wow, mum's human, you know. She's really up front. And, and, and your daughter will t take on that kind of emotional intelligence that you're showing um, because you're not trying to be perfect. Um, you're... you're you're self-aware, and you're, and that means if you're self-aware, you know that you're always just blundering along. Um, you know, I'm 64, and, and and I just feel like I just blunder along every day. Um, every third thing I say is wrong, and, and and my wife is really happy to help me to point that out. And and so, yeah, it's, it's, if, if we can be human. Um, and so the, the best way I know to help parents and what we did in that book was say, okay, what was it like for you? Um, and and which which areas make you feel stressy? And and rather than saying just, you know, a lot of parenting books are very, you know, here's a list of tips, you know, have good communication with your child. And, and you think, whoa, you know, how do you do that? And yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, I oh. can tell I'm tired now. I'm starting to ramble. Oh, <laughs> not at all. And actually, I, you know, when I was... Um going through 10 things um that was i love the interactive exercises i love the nutshells and and what mm. comes across in the book is that you don't want parents to just hear a top 10 tips and that's it and you know tick the box I've, I've written a book it's you really want parents to get it and you really want people parents to change their behavior because you're coming you're coming at us from every angle it's kind of hard to escape ref self-reflection and self-awareness even you know in in every single chapter i so i think i think yes. it's excellent i mean it i i could i could imagine even sitting down with my husband and us doing it together or as you suggest sitting down with a group of friends who have girls of similar yeah. ages and doing it together yes I, it's it's really um for people who are listening uh, uh, this evening it's kind of when we feel tested, those questions, we got groups of parents together and and people sat and did them in the same room. And this incredible thing that, that happened, um, Alina and Lydia, was that people started crying. And 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 we sort of, you know, kind of like, whoa, what's, you know, are you okay? What's the matter? And, and they were saying things like, uh, it was just realizing things about how hard their own girlhood had been and and one lady said um um look she said i'm so upset because what i suddenly realized is that i'm repeating with my daughter the same patterns that happened in my life and uh, that she had and, and the particular thing was that she had um incredible trouble with men in her life and her daughter, who was 17, was having starting on the same path as her. And she, and she was, was sitting in a group of about 20 um, young mums and dads. And, and, um, and we really had to work with her and comfort her and start to look at, okay, now, what, what could you change? And she realized that she was having far too many men uh, in, her, in her, her life who were not very good men. And that her daughter was seeing that. And um, and was starting to herself make bad choices around me. So so it, it it was quite profound, but also I think very healing. But the, the, the questions are not just um, you know oh look I got a seven out of ten for the family stress score, but they start to release memories that we've had, and that's why we love people to do it with their friends because then you might only get halfway through the first page yeah, yeah. and and you and you've got enough to talk about for a, for a women's weekend book club you know <laughs> and and so and and the great thing that, that we're, we're teaching men to do now but that women do really well is emotional support 
because once something is, comes to the fore, um, it just needs to be expressed. And those tears shared or the anger shared, um, and 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 something comes together inside you, and you and you shift, and so you're no longer um, uh, uh, trapped by those feelings. It, it's it's out and it's gone, um, and so. Um, it, I would love it. I would love it if every parent in the world could be in a, a, support, a support group and work through those kinds of questions um, because I think then um, we feel like we're a tribe raising our children and we've got other people have got our back. And um, so we don't have to be perfect because um, we're learners and, um, and we can be brave because that we know that our friends will want to hear about it when we meet next week, you know, that we made a stand in our marriage or we made a stand with the school or something we get we need to be brave to be a parent and courage comes from encouragement and we need people encouraging us saying you can do it we want to hear about it we'll be right there beside you um so we stop doing parenthood as a lonely pursuit we stop doing it as a competitive sport <laughs> and, and we do it as, as a you know, this joint effort, this amazing thing, which is to produce a, a, another generation after we've gone that, that are fantastic. And, and that's, you know, we're all in that together. And, and, and it's a very uplifting thing to, to be doing. Absolutely. And Steve, there's one subject I can see time ticking really fast, but um, I, I would love you to talk to us about friendships and girls' friendships. Is it harder for girls to have long-lasting, kind, loyal friendships than boys? What's it all about? Um, yes. Okay. Now, this, um, this is in particularly the years from, from five to ten is when friendship skills get learned. And we... Um, we got this, um, the, the best ideas that come from a man called Michael Thompson who worked out the seven skills of friendship. And so, but your girls will come home hundreds of times in the primary years with a friendship worry. Um, and you'll talk it over with them. And, and it's just that they, um, they are needing to, to get a perspective and a handle on it. And then they go back to school the next day and they put that into practice. And so it's really saying if your daughter comes home and discusses friends with you, um, that's a good thing because she's got that five-year period when, when we get most of our people skills in place. And so don't sort of brush past that. Um, make a time, sit down, talk it over, stay calm, and she'll get calmer and calmer and better equipped in, in the friendship world. Um, and so see it as the main agenda um, is having painful things happen with other people, figuring it out, going back and doing it better next time, or just deciding that that person's no use, you know. Just, um, you can't trust them, you know, and, and some people just haven't learned to be trustworthy. Don't lend them your pencil tape. <laughs> Don't tell them your secrets. And um, so, you know, it's all stuff that we have to go through to know that it's just that, Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Steve, is um, just as a, as a parting co- comment before we let you perhaps go back to bed, <laughs> or back to sleep, <laughs> back to sleep, um, is that I, I'd love to talk to you about feminism just briefly. You you mentioned it as one of the top top um, top ten things one for of girls. The ten things girls need most. Yes, that's right. Now the, the thing is, what happens? gives girls, the world tries to separate us all and it says, you know, you worry about what your clothes you're wearing and how you look and, and, and what, buying the right things and and very often girls internalize their problems as, you know, um, I feel bad, I feel stressed I feel that I'm not the right shape or the right colour or something and and if they, if they learn about feminism and what they realize is that these problems are shared by all girls and all women everywhere. In fact, in the, in the third world, there's still, you know, girls who are not allowed to drive cars or, or, or girls that are in the Yemen that are married at 10 and things like that. But your daughter's 
problems are the same problems that women have had forever. And that's why we have feminism. And that's why for the last hundred years, women have fought for even for, you know, to be able to vote, to be able to have a bank account, to not be able to be raped by your husband. Those are very recent. I think that law about rape and marriage was 1974. That's pretty recent. And so get her angry and stirred up and say, you know, feminism is has gone on before and it will need to go on for another hundred years and you can be part of it. And so instead of feeling like a lonely victim, she'll feel like a stirred up member of a strong worldwide movement. And, you know, that'll immediately shift her from a focus on something wrong with me to a focus on there's something wrong with this world. And we have changed it, but we have to go on changing it. And you're enrolling her. You know, don't take this media thing of, oh, feminism, you know, to and for and against. It's a clear cut. It's the most important movement in the world. And if she senses that and feels that spirit coming through from you, then she will feel, I'm part of something, and, and, and it's us together, and together we're strong. And so, yeah, does that, does that sound like something you Absolutely. could Absolutely. It's, it's a shame you can't see. There's three, three women furiously. nodding furiously <laughs> at everything you're saying. Yeah, we, we couldn't, <laughs> couldn't agree more, Steve. And our, our, one of our guest who was on just briefly before you, um, before you came on air just wants to... Uh, Caroline Walker just wants to say something quickly. Yeah, I'd just like to add to that, Steve. I think, um, I think feminism can be then really empowering for girls, that sense that they are part of... Uh, um, a, a community both from the past and going into the future and globally as well that you know really help them feel as though they've got a voice and that they matter and that they count and that there's a real energy and, and drive in that and I think that can re- be really really empowering for teenage girls because I think the pressures they're going through in 2017 is unprecedented really and I think as a society we need to help support them to um, to find their best selves so that they can um, they can really value everything about them and everything that they've got to offer and I think feminism is a, is a key part of that. You put it so much better than I did. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, actually, uh, Caroline is part of the Steve Biddulph Appreciation Society <laughs> as well. Actually, Steve, she came, she came to see you in. In, in, hi- in High Wycombe, yes, I heard you speak at the High Wycombe School in May. So, uh, yes, excellent. Thank you very much. Oh, well, it's mutual. Thank you. <laughs> so, Steve, we're going to let you catch a few more <laughs> hours <laughs> sleep <laughs> before you catch your plane back to Tasmania. Um, really, so much for us to think about. And I can't. Ev- I think everybody who's got a girl has got to go out and buy 10 things. They just Definitely. It's, it's excellent. Steve, thanks a million for joining us on The Parents Show. Thank you so much. Thank Great you, Steve. Great to talk to you and, and good wishes to everyone over in beautiful Britain. Thank Th- you. Bye. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Take care. Cheers, Steve. Bye. So many, so many lessons, so many, so many notes yeah. that we've all scribbled. I've and put a few on the page, but yes. It's fantastic. Fabulous. I mean, that, well, this concludes, we're almost concluding the meeting of the Steve bit of appreciation. <laughs> but um, he, 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 there's not one quote from his book that I pulled out as well. Life is about thriving, not just surviving which I, th- I think it's it's a great one. There's so many nuggets in his book, and you've read it too, Caroline, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I um, I really like is that he takes his the insights that he's got as a psychologist and then translates that into actually what that means for family life. Mm-hmm. And I think we touched on in that discussion actually the importance of role modelling. And I think that example he gave that, you know, at tea time, the, um, the devices are plugged into the chargers and then they're just left alone. And I think as a habit, that could be you know is really empowering for young people as they go forward you know if they if they take a corporate career path for example um you know we all know the pressure of getting emails mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. but if they've seen as a young person their parents role modeling not not checking emails at eight o'clock nine o'clock ten o'clock and later you know that all stops at six then that help will help and empower them to then have boundaries in their own life going forward so um um yeah i thought that was a, that was a great great tip great tip Definitely. aline is it is it 
could it happen in your house? My kids are a little bit, I can be completely the boss in my house, but my kids are six and eight. It's different when they're 14 and 15. Yes, yes. So with the 10-year-old, definitely not an issue because he doesn't really have um, his own device, shall I say. Um, with the girls, I think it's a little bit more um, difficult. One thing that, w- one rule we definitely have is no devices, phones at meal times or at the table or, you know, when it's family time and suddenly not at night and and I was surprised I learnt I guess like most parents learnt you know when I first heard a ping at 10pm <laughs> and checked one of my daughter's phones and it was just pinging you know snapchat so there were clearly other children who were doing it so I, I, I do think that every household should aspire to that yeah. I think it's difficult to implement but maybe on the road to this there are many steps that we can each take um, so you have no phones in bedrooms or no devices in bedrooms? They have they have devices in bedrooms if they're doing homework, they're yeah. going on their um, laptop. Yeah. And they can have their phones up until a watershed that yeah. varies whether it's holidays or not. Yeah. Um, but it is a battle and it's becoming much more problematic to take that phone is away, it? to charge it somewhere else. Is it? It's definitely, with one of them, it can still happen. With the other one, it's very tough, but yeah. it needs to be off. Yeah. Well, it's it's it's, it's the difficult. kind thing to do, isn't it, mm. Caroline? I mean, the, the, it's not just that they're getting bombarded with messages. It really interferes with sleep. Yeah, absolutely. And we know sleep is an essential component of growing bodies. And mm. I think the um, the irony of that is even though it's a battle in your household, it's probably also an enormous relief for your daughter when mm. that you do hold that line and you say no at nine o'clock or whatever time it is, no, that 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 device is going on the charger. That although she, you know, battles with you about it, I suspect there's also a strong element of relief as well that she she gets a break. Yes. Um, she yeah. can calm her mind. She can prepare for sleep. She can have good quality sleep. Um, so, you know, well done on you for holding the line. I absolutely oh. support that. <laughs> it's hard. I'll be coming to both of you for advice <laughs> in about six <laughs> years' time. It'll uh, probably be something else by then. Who knows? It goes so quickly, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's the thing. And it probably will be something else. I mean, my eight-year-old's already trying to strategize about how he can get a mobile phone. <laughs> But, um, so tell us other take-homes. Caroline, for you, what what did you feel about... Um, yeah, I, I mean, it linked Steve to said. what we talked beforehand about yeah. sport when Steve talked about, you know, encouraging girls to run around, jump in puddles, mm-hmm. that real sort of physicality. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that he then linked that to then... Actually, that is then part of girls finding their own voice. Mm-hmm. You know, he gave that example of his... You know, he could tell that that was his, t- his daughter shouting out, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that because I think there's some link isn't there between being at ease with our physicality and moving our bodies and Mm -hmm. then expressing ourselves and finding our voice and you know let's face it we don't want girls to be yes miss no No. miss three bags full miss we want them to feel in touch with their passion with their soul with their spirit and I think they need to feel um, you know again I'm going to use this word empowered empowered in their bodies empowered in their bodies to help them find their voice and express themselves so um, that was really great to hear hear that from him it just so. makes so much sense it doesn't does. it yeah. you know I mean it all ties together and I was talking to a friend today about his book and his works and that's the thing it just makes sense what he's saying we we know it when we hear it well I guess I, I of course I should be doing this but particularly about that isn't a, a sporty girl is so distracted from from nonsense really isn't mm-hmm. it if, if she's concentrated on sport she's not concentrated on you know yeah and toxic messages absolutely and i th- and i think in the uk or the western world as a whole i think we've got a really toxic culture around you know for women i think even as grown women it's really difficult for us to yes. resist the message that our appearance defines our value of course it doesn't if you're a teenage girl where your body is constantly changing and you're bombarded by these um perfect pictures you equate appearance equals value wrong we need to change that conversation and say actually 
your appearance is only one dimension of you and there are so many more other dimensions you know your friendship your schoolwork having fun with families your sports your hobbies what you're passionate about your political beliefs your community you know so many other dimensions you know don't you dare just um limit yourself it's a reductionist view isn't it absolutely it's just the absolutely um but you know steve said you know we we as adults and as families as parents as community need to be really strong because the media messages are so loud and so toxic that we really need to fight against them and drown Um, them out yeah and drown them out absolutely yeah and i i think i i I totally agree with with what you're saying around the environment i think one thing that we sometimes forget as mothers is how what we say and how we see ourselves can have a really profound impact Mm. on our daughters so if we walk around going ooh. I don't like this bit of me or oh, I look fat in this or oh, I don't like my hair or I've got ring. Every message we give is amplified as Absolutely. well. And, and I think there's a tendency to focus on the outside world and the media and Instagram, but we need to be so careful about what, what we do ourselves um, in the house. And, and for me, the best message from Steve was you need to be brave as a parent. Mm. You can't always be mm. your child's friend, which I think is what a lot of parents try to be. Sometimes yeah. you just have to yeah, be, be mean. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not it's not easy, is it? No, and no. I think you know, and I think particularly with body image and body confidence, I think what girls see their mum saying mm, yeah. um, is absolutely you know, if they see their mum jumping on the scales every other day, mm. well, that's what they're going to expect to yeah, do. Yeah. Whereas in the contrast, if they see their mum saying, "Oh, you know, I love my body," and "Hey, don't I look you know, don't I look great on this?" and just putting on the first thing they find, not having a wardrobe crisis yeah. every morning, then again, that's a habits thing isn't it it's setting up good habits so um you know so the mum says right this is what i'm going to wear because i've got you know i've got a busy day and i'm doing this and i'm doing that and obviously while still taking moments to slow down i'm so afraid we've run out of time caroline oh. we're going to put confident teens website Great, on our facebook you. page but it's it's www.confidentteens.org.co.uk.co.uk brilliant yeah. caroline walker thank you so much thank for joining so much. us this evening thanks lydia all the best you too Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.